Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? And I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to episode 60. Now, if you're not yet subscribing to the podcast, I invite you to do so. And many of you already are. Thank you for that. And we, I'll bet we have a lot of people listening for the very first time. The growth we're seeing is fun to see. And so if that's you, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this episode. I'm glad you're here. I am excited for you to meet our guest. Uh, I enjoyed getting to know her. Many of you know her very well already. She is Anna Olson. Anna is a professionally trained chef and the internationally known host of Food Network's Bake with Anna Olson. Also, the Oh Yum with Anna Olson channel on YouTube. Everybody, she has over 1.3 million subscribers. Just remarkable. You know, we conducted this interview virtually. Uh, I was here in Idaho Falls, but she was in her kitchen that she uses for the Oh Yum YouTube channel. What a kitchen. I want that kitchen. That's all I'm going to tell you. Check that out. In addition, she's the author of 10 best-selling and award-winning cookbooks. And her newly released book, Baking Wisdom. It's so good. We'll talk about it. Anna also has her own bakeware line, Anna Olson Kitchen, and she lives in Ontario, Canada with her husband, Michael. Now, here's a few things you're going to learn in this episode. You're going to learn how failure is not something to avoid. In fact, it's a great teacher and something to watch for in a good way. You're going to learn about the art and the science of baking and think about baking like you've never thought about it before. And you're going to learn about how baking is more than just a list of ingredients. And you'll never look at baking the same way again. So now, everyone, let's not wait any longer. Anna Olson is here on the I Dare You podcast. I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's get it started. Here, everyone, is Anna Olson. Anna, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Well, thank you for having me, Darren. I'm happy to be here. So, Anna, I, I'm looking at you right now. It looks like you're in your studio and that your studio kitchen. It looks, it looks like you know a thing or two about baking for sure. Before we get there, uh, many people know your story. Some may not. Uh, take us back a bit about how did you land where you are and what do you currently do? How would you describe what you do? Well, that's a big question, Darren. So how much time do we have? Um, you got time. <laughs> but what, what I will say you know, here I am sitting in my studio kitchen at the back of my house in Southern Niagara. And my journey here to this time and place was definitely not a straight line. Um, I grew up loving baking because of my grandfather. And I find a lot of people who connect with baking as an activity have a familial contact. It could be a mother, an aunt, a grandmother, a sister, brother, anyone. But there is that sense of someone who means something to you is in the kitchen and they bake to share. It's an expression of love. And that's what it was for my grandmother. And then by default, if you wanted to visit with grandma, because grandma was cool, then that meant you were in the kitchen. And if you were in the <laughs> kitchen with grandma, she put you to work. And so I just absorbed more than the knowledge. I absorbed that the baking attitude, that sense of giving, but at the same time, a sense of self-fulfillment when you pull something out of the oven and it comes out well and you feel so good about yourself. So that I carried with me as just a part of my life through my youth. Uh, I was an after-school baker. It was my favorite sort of pastime. Yeah. I baked all through high school and university. Like a lot of people in high school, when you had those jo after-school jobs, they were in food service because that's who was hiring. 
And then I went and studied political science and sociology in university. Oh, you did? Oh. Yeah, why not? Didn't know what right. else to do. Um, and then I went into banking because, again, I didn't quite know what to do, but banking was always there. It was a case of I couldn't see the forest for the trees. It was just there. And then this was this was a while ago. So this explains a little bit of the banking wisdom. This would have been the early 90s. I was working yeah. in banking. Interest rates were all over the place. I was in bonds and treasury bills tied to currency. Oh, my uh, gosh. For, yeah, portfolio management company. I was stressed. I was surrounded by people who thrived on that. They loved it. I was not one of them. And so I would go home. I would just dream on my lunch hour. I was supposed to be excited about waiting for the housing index number to come out. <laughs> Meanwhile, I could see the, this was in downtown Toronto. I could see the farmer's market at the end of the street. I would sneak out on my lunch hour to go buy ingredients, come home and cook and bake. And I found myself, I, I call it my muffin epiphany. After being in the industry for a few years, I was up in the middle of the night. I'm one of those 2 a.m. problem solvers. I couldn't yes. sleep. And I found myself in the kitchen making banana muffins, not because I wanted <laughs> to eat them, but I knew it would get me out of my own mind and relax me. And it was when I was looking at my mess and the muffins and I thought, this is what makes me happy. What am I doing? And it was within a matter of months and some serious research, something I did learn in studying political science at university, how to research. I found a cooking school with a fast track program because once I decided I wanted to be a chef, there was, it was hit go. And wow, it was a tough one to explain to my family. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. To walk away from a perfectly good career with an opportunity for promotion and stability to give that up to work in a kitchen um, was not something that was understood at first, but ultimately everybody came around and and then, then was the, the actual cooking journey. So I spent time as an apprentice. I went to school in Vail, Colorado. I'm actually a dual citizen. I was born in Atlanta, grew up in Toronto, went back to the States to work and cook a bit. I worked in Texas for a while, Colorado, and I was in New Orleans. And I found I was gravitated towards smaller restaurants um, that had a local seasonal menu. And when you have a smaller restaurant with a pastry chef, a pastry chef doesn't have a team. So when he or she takes the day off, someone needs to fill in and I would always volunteer. Really? So that's how I sort of got into baking professionally just by easing into it. Cause I studied culinary, not pastry as in cooking school. And so with that, I was sort of growing my repertoire, but I had to be resourceful because I was not apprenticing with someone over my shoulder. I was given the book of the restaurant's recipes. I was told you have to make 48 creme brulee. You have to make 27 <laughs> chocolate mousse. You have to do a birthday cake and this, and here's the recipe go. And I wow. couldn't leave until it was done. And so I would learn, I'd have to figure out by myself what was happening, what wasn't working, and then, or, or face the critiques the next day, which inevitably happened. And then with that, I grew into, when I came to Niagara to work at a, fine dining restaurant. It was small at the time. And I stepped into the role of pastry chef without a team, but as the restaurant grew and then it opened an inn and then a banquet facility. And then, so I was able to grow over the course of eight years. I worked there, grow my experience as the industry grow. And then 
with that came collecting such a, an amount of recipes that uh, my husband, who was the executive chef at the time, and I came out with our first cookbook. So that was 1999. Wow. And this new book is book number 10. Unreal. So I've learned a lot. That very first cookbook, Darren, we shot on film. <laughs> For you kids, wow. that's how we used to right. take photos with a physical <laughs> camera. We'd have to take a Polaroid of the food, make sure we were happy with it. And then you wouldn't know how the photo came out for a few weeks. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> and we could only afford that. 16 color photos per book. Oh, now, wow. imagine you... printing a book without color photos. You wouldn't, you wouldn't dream. <laughs> you and I are about the same age. So I'm thinking back to when I was in my first career and uh, the economy was not that great. In other words, when you had that job, that was sacred. And and you made a big jump going to cooking school. And looking back on it now, uh, what did you learn through that whole experience? Because a lot of our listeners, they've got side gigs and passion projects. That's very much in vogue. But back when you and I were in our first jobs, I don't recall that it was that much in vogue. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, what, what did you learn through the experience? A lot of people, and, and I think you really hit on something, Darren. So many people have either their side hustle or their passion projects that they do, but the big risk is if you make that your career, will you be that excited about it? Will you be that passionate about it? Or does it feel like a job? And I'll be honest, I came upon that in one part of my journey because after uh, I started writing cookbooks and I left that fine dining restaurant, um, I then went on to Food Network in Canada but uh, I also opened a bakery business. And that was always one of those, I dreamt about it. I wanted to get into baking retail. And that's an arm of the industry that the baking business has unique to itself. A food retail is a different game. A bakery, it, I always dreamed about it. And my husband would remind me, I had a picture next to my bathroom sink of a French patisserie because that was my morning wake up, the first thing I would see. And I was like, that was my dream. But it was frustrating. And wow. what I missed when I opened my bakeries was I couldn't bake anymore because I was managing HR. I was running payroll. I was doing orders. I was marketing. And all of a sudden, the thing that I loved to do the most was absent from my life. And so I did the business for five years. And then my TV side of things, I wasn't sure how long that would last, but it started a, sort of a new growth. And I thought, perfect. So I sold the bakery business to two sisters who they loved that day-to-day -day business. And they actually wanted a break from the baking now and again to get into the business side of it. So it, it was a perfect trade-off. But yeah, I think that's the big risk when you, you want to take that side project that makes you happy and turn it into something that's your whole life. Wow. And that muffin epiphany, I thought that story is beautiful because... <laughs> There are, you, you said at two in the morning, you're making this because you found it. I'm putting words in your mouth, but it was relaxing. It was therapy. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a release. And I think a lot of people can relate to that um, when they have these passion projects. But is that a sign perhaps, Anna, that that might be, you're getting close to your purpose when you're just doing something and you can't really verbalize why you're doing it? Or do you think I'm off base? Um, I think it is, and, but I don't know that it necessitates a full life change. Um, some people mm -hmm. find that same Zen fulfillment when they go golfing, but they're yeah, not true. going to join the true. PGA tour. Um, or it could be <laughs> yeah. tennis, or it could be uh, 
graphic arts, it could be music, whatever it is that takes that creative space in your mind, allows you to express yourself and refocus, I think is important. I mean, it's, and, and all of these things, this is what I love about it. Baking is one of them. And if it's your side passion project, like golf, like music, like painting or drawing, takes practice. No, people, I, I, the one thing I don't accept is when people say to me, well, I cook, but I can't bake. And it's like, well, now let's talk about it. You probably spend 95% of your time cooking as opposed to baking because you have to feed yeah. yourself, your family. And so, and it also, um, you can tweak as you go when you cook because you can see you're a part of the process. Baking takes repetition yeah. and practice. It's a learned skill, but it is fulfilling. It takes enough attention. I mean, supposedly I give you everything you need to know right on a page. Um, but yet it does take that intuition isn't the right word, but you have to be committed to what you're doing. And I find when it comes to baking, the biggest part of it that I think is a challenge for people is that you have to relinquish trust. When you make a pot of soup on the stove, you can go check on it five times and you can add a bit of this and add more liquid and season it up a little more. When you put a batter together and those ingredients are simple, you know, the foundation of a lot of baking is butter, sugar, eggs, and flour, but it's how you combine them in what proportion determines what it, that is going to be. But once you put it in the oven, there's nothing you can do anymore. And that's yeah. when people actually get to the point where they're confident putting it in the oven and pulling it out, it takes your baking to a new level. Well, that's probably a great transition into your book, Baking Wisdom. This is your 10th book, correct? Do I have that right? Mm -hmm. And yes. what what is there about this particular book that's a little different than the rest? The title feels different. The And I'm reading the first few pages of it. You go right after it. What is Baking Wisdom? Tell us, what what is Baking Wisdom and why is it so important to you? Um, well, I think the first thing that stands out from this book is it weighs five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's big, big book. It's big. It was supposed to be a hundred hundred recipes. Now we have 150 because I didn't find there was when I had something to share, baking, like a lot of things is applied learning. And then once you learn one skill, you see how it applies to multiple recipes. So I didn't just want to tell you you know, this is how you make a vanilla creme brulee. I wanted to show yeah. you three different creme brulees. So you see the principle is the same. It's the flavoring that's different or the treatment, depending on what you want out of the end product. And so the beginning of the book is the most important because that is where the wisdom lies. Yes. So that is my years of baking experience, um, befriending other people in the industry. And we're, you know, we share, we talk. Um, you know, Darren, you pointed out we're probably the same age. Well, in, you know, 25, 30 years ago, before social media, the secret behind a recipe was such a big deal that, you know, what's the secret <laughs> ingredient? What's the secret technique that the chef is not telling me about? Right. Well, now you Google chocolate cake and you're going to get 16 billion chocolate cakes. And there's no, there are no secrets anymore. We're putting it out there but you need to be curious and explore and not just assume that the first recipe you see is the best one and yeah. figure out what it is. And so I think that's where the wisdom is in giving you some trustworthy recipes. So you don't have to just Google 
and fingers crossed it works. Um, these are tried and tested. And even though I've baked for decades, um, I have two recipe testers. So when I do a recipe to the point, I'm happy with it. And when I bake to write, I bake alone in my kitchen. I don't hire people to do dishes because that's going to make me more efficient. And then that's what I want to share with you. I'm not going to give you a recipe that calls for three whisks, six bowls, you know, everything's out of your cupboard and you're not going to make the recipe for me again. I want to make it efficient, time efficient. Um, and it can be something simple, you know, that only takes 15 minutes to whip up and then it's in the oven, or it could be, you know, a weekend baking project, but I'll, I'll try and lay it out efficiently. And then my testers test in their different ovens with their different tools. And one has very young children and the one has petulant teenagers. So, <laughs> wow, I get some very honest feedback on the recipes early, do. early on. Um, and then I, they evolve and become what you see in the book. The photography is just stunning, but that alone is just fun to go through the book. This is a unbelievably high quality book. Well done. Well, thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting. We can find so much on social media and I don't want to call this a blog style book, but you know, when you go into a recipe and you see the step-by-step -step photos, you can watch so many videos. I mean, I have a YouTube channel, so you can watch me make so much live. Um, but at the same time, there's something permanent about the images in a book. And my photographer, Janice, she's amazing. So I live in the Niagara region. I'm only 30 minutes from Buffalo, uh, an hour and a half from Toronto. My photographer is from Vancouver. So she, we have to budget a week at a time. And we usually, for a book like this, I think she came down three times. She lives with us basically really? for the week. And she is a light whisperer. So she has no fancy lights or studio setup. She just walks around with her camera. And so as I'm getting ready for our food photo day, she just leans over and starts clicking photos. And then we talk yeah. through, okay, what are the important things to show so that I don't go ahead without her. And she just organically shoots as we go. And then, then we take, you know, the full page images you see are, the heroes, we call them. And so we shoot those and we just fly through the day. We play the best music, um, but it's oh, nonstop. Oh. I can't do anything else for that week. It's exhausting, oh. but exhilarating at the same time. Has to be. I mean, that creative process just has to be so exhilarating. And and I, your uh, photographer, Janice Nicolay, do I have pronounce her name right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Just incredible work. You know, you brought up something earlier about I don't, I cook, but I don't bake. That might be me, Anna, that, that, that might be me. And part of it is the fear of, I would maybe fear of failure. But in your book, you mentioned the fact of you never regret a baking failure. And I find that so refreshing to hear from you, Anna Olson. Tell us more about that and help me get through this. Well, that's a good question to ask. And to get to a recipe that I am happy to share with you, if I start playing in the kitchen and to, to back it up, when you learn cooking and baking, you learn uh, quite often, especially in baking, in ratios. Um, so I'll know how many eggs um, for every 250 grams of cheesecake to set and, and how many grams of sugar to make a cheesecake. And then you start playing with those ratios. Well, I want a creamier cheesecake or I want a cheesecake that's dense and, and super intense. And so you start playing with those formulas. 
if I make something on the first try and I'm happy with it, I'm either not challenging myself or I'm not being critical enough. And so I like when I make the mistakes because then I can see what can potentially happen and steer you away from it. And so a lot of what you see in Baking Wisdom, um, in addition to the front section of the book, is within each recipe, you'll see little notes in a different color font. And that's sort of an action moment. It's my guidance when you're in that moment and you might be staring at a cake batter thinking, is it supposed to look this thick? I'm not sure. And then there I am saying, don't worry, the batter's supposed to be thick. It will thin out, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then I will also say, but if it isn't, this is what you need to do to fix it. And so, because I've been down that road um, where I've either questioned myself, I let the chocolate get too cold. And so it actually sets up your batter. Um, mm. Over whip your egg whites or under whip your egg whites. What do I do? I've got answers for that. Because let's, let's be serious. We're dealing with uh, inflation right now and food inflation is the greatest inflation right now. We're seeing such an increase in prices. And you look at the price of dairy, eggs, uh, nuts, raisins, chocolate. It, it's just through the roof. I don't want you to invest in that and then invest your time and then be disappointed with the end result. So yeah. this is why those little bits are there. So I, I just, all I need from you, Darren, is to be a little bit curious. Mm and ready to sort of, okay, I'm going to try this. And there are simple recipes. If you're starting out, you don't need a lot of equipment. If you've got a bowl, a whisk, a spoon, and a couple of baking pans, there are plenty of recipes in here. If yeah. you're full on stand mixer category with piping tips and a cake wheel, you'll find lots in here too. But yeah, you just need the yep. spirit of curiosity and you're good. Well, that, that I can deliver, that I can deliver. And <laughs> you have uh, recipes that are simple, and also more involved and then complex. It's almost like going skiing and you can go on the, on the blue hill or the black diamond, yeah. depending on what you want to do. I would agree with that. I like your analogy of the green, blue, and then you've got a couple of double black diamonds in there. And ironically, <laughs> I went to cooking school in Vail, Colorado. So oh, I learned, I, I, I love skiing. I haven't done it in years living where I do, um, but I love skiing and... I learned how to bake at high altitude very quickly, but I intentionally didn't call the recipes easy, somewhat difficult and difficult, difficult. I don't like to use negatives when it comes yeah. to teaching baking. And so difficult implies, oh, you have to have an inherent skill set in order to do this. Complex just simply refers to it takes more time. You've got more moving parts and more involved kind of sits in the middle. It's like, oh, you're going to have. You know, it's not a one layer cake that you're going to dust icing sugar on. It's going to involve maybe a frosting and some assembly. So that's, mm. that's why I use those terms intentionally. That's cool. Well, well done. It appealed to me and I think it'll appeal to everyone listening. Also, it's just a fantastic read, but also Anna, your transition then into media, how did that happen for you? In other words, you were there um, baking and having this passion but when did you then decide or make that transition into being on camera and in this true creator mode? What was that like? And what, what can we learn from you on that? It's an interesting way to phrase that question, Darren, because it, you make it sound like it was my choice when I've never thought of it that way. But it actually, of course, it was. I had to decide to say yes, even though it was easier to say no. Um, it was 2002 
that I made that transition from active industry hospitality business into television because that was the year that Food Network started in Canada. It started a few years after Food Network in the States. And we have rules here in Canada that we have to create a certain amount of Canadian content. I think every country does that. Um, and so when the network started, they were playing all of, a lot of the American and the British shows, but then we were creating some of our own shows and the network wanted to create a dessert show. Uh, and a reminder, this was 2002. They put an open call out to pastry chefs on their website. No one applied because, no the, well, the network was so new, there was no social media. So they had to hire a headhunter. Um, <laughs> and I was contacted along with a plethora of other chefs to consider auditioning for this baking show. And did I have a recipe repertoire that I could offer for this? And it was one of those moments, pivotal moments, and I know everybody has them. You're busy, you're tired, and it would be so much easier to say no. No is always simpler, but I am not one, I'd never wanna look back on my life with a regret. I don't care if I try and fail, I never want to look back and wonder, well, what if, what, and have never tried when the opportunity presented itself. So I said, yes, I was picked. And then that was my beginning into the Food Network. This was a series called Sugar that I don't know you could call a show Sugar anymore. Um, but we taped live to tape. It was very simple, you know, before 4K, before, it, you know, doing what we do right now. Um, and we would take three shows a day. I did over 150 episodes. So I really wow. got a good education on what I consider teaching. This to me is teaching, writing a cookbook, sharing what I do. I love instructional format TV that, and that's why I have a YouTube channel. Now I do competition shows. I uh, am host and judge on a show called great chocolate showdown, which airs in the States on CW. Um, and then there is a new, I think you have two new seasons coming down there. Um, but instructional is where my heart is. And so yeah. that's, I've kept going ever since I've had a number of TV shows. Um, the, the one you see on my YouTube channel in pieces is called bake with Anna Olson. And I was very lucky that that ended up being sold worldwide. And so my new foray is into travel a bit. So nice. I go visit these countries where my show's broadcast and I, I, you know, part of my, my wisdom with maturity and age uh, come, makes you realize it goes back to my grandmother. It's the people that count and the people you meet, the connections you make, what you're willing to share. And you have to share in order to get something back from someone. Yeah. Um, it gives it all meaning. You know, that's, that's wonderful. You know, I, I, on Instagram, you, I follow you on Instagram. You're a great follow. And yes, you are traveling, aren't you? Um, and I so, I, yeah. So is uh, your Instagram handle is? At all, all my handles, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok. I've, well, I've just joined um, is at Chef Anna Olson. Okay. You know, you, you brought up your grandmother a couple of times and the acknowledgement in your book has a beautiful, what I call more of a tribute or to your grandmother. If you don't mind, paint, paint a scene for me. Give me one example of how you interacted with your grandmother. Where were you and what, what type of a memory do you have from your grandmother? I think a lot of people can relate to that, as you said, from their mom or their, their grandmother. Going to grandma's house because I was growing up in Toronto and she, she and my grandfather lived in Niagara Falls, New York. 
Um, so we would drive ironically right through where I close to where I live now to get there. But I can picture her little kitchen with her 19, late 60s, early 70s. Um, she didn't have the avocado appliances, the avocado green. She had more of a brown color. But I can just picture standing beside her. She always had this smock on. It was her apron. I think she called it her house dress that she would always wear. So she'd be ready at any moment to be in the kitchen. And that's where we would bake. And most, most of our fun was when my mom and dad would leave to go out on to their errands or out with friends, what have you. And grandma would babysit because that's when the real recipes come out and we would make things like donuts together or um, the fancier cakes. And it didn't matter how much time it took or how much of a mess we made. Oh, we would have so much fun. And that's, wow. I can, I just picture, it's almost like a tableau, a time and space. And that's, that's it. That's beautiful. Beautiful. You know, Anna, your book, Baking Wisdom, what would you hope someone learn or think differently as a result of this book? I hope that someone would pick up the recipes, try them, glean some baking wisdom or little, have little aha moments um, in there. and ultimately feel better about themselves for what they bake in the kitchen. And I really appeal to young people to give it a try because this is, this was, baking was my confidence builder. When I was feeling insecure as a kid, I could come home and bake and feel good about what I could do. Um, and then outside of that, especially for younger kids, the inherent numeracy you pick up from baking is incredible. It's, it's chemistry. It's, uh, physics, it's math. It's amazing what you can learn just inherently through baking. But what the, the, the satisfaction comes from the sharing. Mm. So you share the knowledge, you share what you've made at the end of the day. And by making other people happy, that makes you, you feel good. Looking forward, looking forward in your 2023 and beyond, you gave us a little bit mm -hmm. of a sneak peek on what, what's happening in your life, but what are you most excited about? What's giving you, giving you a lot of joy and purpose right now? It could be all baking wisdom uh, for sure. What else is coming your way? Oh, well, I think, you know, going back to that root story of making the change from banking to baking, which was a little more difficult than erasing that middle end. I love that no two days are the same um, with what I do. So I'm already working on the next cookbook. I can't reveal too much about it. It'll, uh, writing a book takes two years. So it, maybe we'll wow. chat again in 2025, Darren, I would love that. when the next book comes that. out. Um, but in the meantime, I can balance that because a, a book is always a part of you. It's in your brain as you're working on it and doing other things at the same time. Um, combining travel with food is really becoming more important. And so I'm doing that in two ways. Um, on my Oh Yum YouTube channel, I have a series that's called Food Travel Diaries, where I go travel, we videotape it, and then I come back to the studio kitchen and I create a recipe inspired by the trip, having learned oh, something cool. along the way. Because um, I know my audience wants, ultimately, we all, they want a recipe at the, at the end of the day. And then also tied to that, uh, my husband and I host culinary tours. And so this, and we have been, we just returned. I just did a uh, seven day culinary tour of Mexico City that was amazing and oh, eye opening my. and I loved it. Um, I tried so many new foods and I look at Mexican 
uh, cooking through fresh eyes and uh, adore it. We're heading wow. to Sicily at the end of May to explore the cuisine of uh, that island in southern Italy. <laughs> and I'm doing a French river cruise in the fall. And I'm already planning 2024's travel trips. And so we do a small group. We max out at 16 people. Um, so that way we can we get to know each other. Um, we can do then more hands-on cooking classes. We can get into better restaurants. And we can also take a small bus which is very important when you're going in those small European villages. You can't take a big bus. <laughs> they won't fit. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, well then I, I may have to attend one of those. I just may, I may show up on a bus one day. So I'll see you. I'll see you soon. <laughs> I'd love to see you. You know what? And we stay friends with some of the people we travel with along the way. I bet you do. By the way, watching your YouTube channel, Oh Yum, and you are, yeah, it's a great instructional videos. But I noticed too that when you're doing lives, you also you recognize you recognize a lot of the people coming on. It seems like you have a a, a, a warm relationship with many of the people that are interacting with you. Uh, yes, uh, is that intentional? Seems like it. It it just feels like the natural thing to do. Uh, for me, do starting the lives happened when I couldn't go out and do cooking classes in public anymore, and I do like getting that feedback, and that's how I get inspired to create recipes I do and not not to jump on trends because they come and go but to find out what people are sincerely interested in you have to connect that way so I love doing yeah. the live streams um, I'm doing them over the next while uh, Tuesdays um, Tuesday evenings seem to be the, the time that works well but yeah that's how I connect and I, I'm always so appreciative of the people that come back time and time again um, and with really good baking questions. So yes, I feel lucky. It's a, it's a positive place. And, and then I love even when a dialogue spins off when, you know, I've got my head down baking. And so people are chatting and helping each other out on the thread. That's, that's the kind of group bakers are. We're very supportive. That's so good. Hey, I'm, I'm hosting my daughters coming from Portland, Oregon next week. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. She's coming with her family. Haven't seen them for a few months. And so I've got your book right here, Baking Wisdom. Okay. Give me some coaching and I need to impress them. I'm going to take, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to go for it. Good. What would be the one recipe that you would think I should try? What do you think? Well, knowing that you're starting out as a baker, yeah. I would, a, a good cake always mm. is celebratory. Even if it is a one layer cake, I would give my kefir citrus cake a try. It's it's a one bowl wonder. You don't need to pull out crazy tools. Now, kefir is a, a fermented yogurt drink. You can also use regular yogurt if you don't have kefir. But okay. what that does is it gives it a real tanginess. So then enhanced by the citrus. It's a super delicious citrusy dessert. And I actually like to serve it. You can serve it with a little cream or if you want to keep it healthy, some sweetened yogurt. It has olive oil in it. And then I like to segment citrus pieces. So a combination, grapefruit, tangerine, orange, and drizzle a little really good extra virgin olive oil on there. So you get that kind of savory, peppery flavor against the tangy citrus. And so it's a simple cake, but actually quite complex in okay. terms of flavor. Oh my gosh. Just listen to you talk about it. All right. I'm tell you <laughs> what, I'm going to do it and I will email you after the fact. Okay. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Uh, very good. Okay. Uh, Anna, um, you already mentioned it, but what is the, where do we go to follow you and everything that you're up to? Sounds like a lot going on. 
Yes. Well, I have a website. It's uh, simply AnnaOlson.ca uh, and it's O-L-S-O-N. My handles are at Chef Anna Olson. If you're going to find me on Instagram, Facebook, or you, uh, TikTok, and I am on the Oh Yum uh, channel on YouTube. So Anna, thank you. And before I ask for your idea challenge for all of us, uh, one of the the lines in your book, it's right away in the beginning, a beautiful, simple picture with, with it's, uh, you're giving credit to this book. You say to family and the wisdom we share and receive within it. What does that quote mean? Why did you choose those words? Well, it, I think sometimes we take we might take for granted what's right in front of us and those meaningful relationships from family. Uh, and it could be taking, it can even be t- taking away something positive from a negative situation because you've learned and that's wisdom. Um, but there's always wisdom to find with each other. And I think that's so important. Beautiful. And a mentor doesn't have to be someone above or older. I love that you can be peers and mentor each other. Thank you for that. All right, Anna, I dare you challenge. Uh, we're all waiting for this. Uh, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? What do you got? I dare you to say yes, even when it's easier to say no. I like that. I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a few things. I think we all are. So thank you for that, Anna. And it has been so much fun and an honor uh, to have you on the I Dare You podcast to learn more about your background and how how you're using your time and talents not only to instruct, but more than that, to help us tap into this, this beautiful art of baking. And baking wisdom is just phenomenal. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much, Darren. It's been a pleasure. Okay, that was Anna Olson. I hope you enjoyed getting to know her. I, I loved getting to know Anna and more about her background and where she's taking things. Saying yes when it's easier to say no, that's all about getting out of your comfort zone or knowing that everything we want in life is oftentimes on the other side of fear. By saying yes to something when you could say no, it takes some courage, but oftentimes it pays off in really big ways. Now, make sure you follow her on all of her social channels, at Chef Anna Olson, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and her book, Baking Wisdom. It's a true legacy book, everyone. I've I've got a copy of it. It is five pounds, and the level of detail that goes into this, it's like having Anna in the kitchen with you, and I feel a little bit invincible after talking to Anna. I can't wait to try some of these recipes. So now that you've listened to Anna in this episode, who will you share it with? It could be one person, it could be 10, it could be more people. I invite you to do that. Take that 10 seconds and just share with others. Uh, the growth we're seeing on this podcast is all because of you and the fact that you're taking that one step. I know you're busy. I appreciate you listening to this episode. You've got a lot of different choices in digital media and you chose to be here. I'm asking for one more favor. Share this with a few more people and let's get this message out than this conversation that we're having every single week on the I Dare You podcast. So now, everyone, episode 60 is behind us. We're looking forward to episode 61. It's going to be another good one. I'm finishing up editing right now. You're going to love our guest. I'll see you back here next week on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.